The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan-favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, words aren't enough to, to express how thankful and how glad I am to be a part of this organization. And I had complete faith in them from the, the get-go. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never wanted to be anywhere else. This is where I've wanted to be for shoot, as long as I've been born and playing football. So it's a, it's a dream come true. And, um, you know, just really excited to be back out there with the team today. The congratulatory text that you received, and there were a lot. Did you get any from Joe Burrow since... Is it the next stop in the contract? Um, I'm I'm rooting for Joe. You know he's 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 done such a fantastic job playing football, and, and I've got so much respect for him as a quarterback. Um, you know I know he's a competitor. He's he's earned every penny. So um, rooting for him and pulling for him. Justin Herbert, one day after signing his new contract, we have the full breakdown at ProFootballTalk.com with all the guarantees, the signing bonuses, the cash flow. The way the guarantees are set up is the smart way. All full guarantees vest at least one year before the money is paid. Makes it hard for the team to move on if and when the team decides to, although I can't imagine the Chargers ever wanting to move on from Justin Herbert. As we said yesterday, Once we know that a franchise quarterback is a franchise quarterback, it is rare, barring injury, that all of a sudden they stop being franchise quarterbacks, Chris. Yeah, that's right. They they know they got one. We all know they they got one. I mean, it it doesn't matter who you talk to, you know, and where you talk to them. When they start talking about Justin Herbert, coaches, people in the NFL, I mean, I think everybody's blown away. We've been blown away. You know, we just need that marquee moment or a little playoff run, I think, to put them in the next stratosphere of guys there. But the talent and and the potential is as, as big and as good as anybody in football. And that's why you lock them up and go from there. And now they, they don't have to worry about a quarterback for a long, long time when having Justin Herbert. The first reaction by most of the people who cover the NFL when hearing about the Justin Herbert contract was Joe Burrow is now the next guy to get paid. And we all assume that he will become the highest paid player in league history once he signs his new contract between now and week one. And we can only assume he will have that financial protection from the Cincinnati Bengals. He will have his long-term reward before the first game of the 2023 season. Here's Burrow from yesterday when he was asked the specific question of whether it matters to him what the other quarterbacks out there are making. No, not particularly. I'm focused on getting a deal done that's good for us, good for me, good for the team, good for everybody. Are you okay? Are you okay? Does it have to be done before the season starts? Or are you okay whenever it gets done? It gets done when it gets done. You said you were confident to keep the band together. You're referring to the receivers. Why are you so confident that you'll be able to do that based on your contract? We'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, that's that's ideal situation when you keep guys together for a long time they build rapport and they build chemistry and that translates onto the field so uh, that's obviously the goal 
that headband is kind of his thing this year. It is. It's Joe Burrow. New look. I like it. It works. Longer yeah. hair and the headband. Works better than Arthur Smith's mustache. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, <guess. laughs> so, you know, every time I hear Joe Burrow talk about his contract, and this is my own inherent bias. This is my own desire to see somebody get paid a percentage of the cap. Yes. But I run everything he says through that filter. And when he says, we want to come up with something that works for me and that works for the team, it's hard for me not to scream out as he's speaking, percentage of the cap. That's what works. It's a set percentage that will be devoted every year to Joe Burrow, and the rest of the dollars are available to pay all of your other players. And Burrow is never screwed by the circumstances of the cap going up and up and up and the market going up and up and up. And then you wake up one day and you're seven, eight, nine million per year behind the highest paid player in the league at your position. You're not being properly respected. And the salary cap is so high that, of course, you could be getting more and should be getting more. Tie it to a percentage of the cap. That's what they should do. I've tried to find out whether or not Burrow was trying to get a little equity as part of his deal. And again, that's something that's off the table now. The percentage of the cap is not off the table. It is available. It is permitted under the CBA. Others have tried to get it. No one has ever pulled it off. To me, when I hear Burrow talk about win-win, that is the true win-win. That is what I hope that he and the Bengals do because then I hope other teams will do it. And then we get to the point where... We value a quarterback not based on total dollars, but based on the percentage of the cap that gets devoted to his contract. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. There's there's a lot that makes sense there. You know, you know, one, you know, of course, the teams don't want that totally, right? And two, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm going to be interested to see the quarterback who has the guts to kind of do that finally, because I think too within that. You're going to get painted a little bit as like, you know, okay, oh, he's selfish, or you're going to have some of that backlash, even though. Well, why? So, why? That, why? Why would that? Why? But see, because you this is have, one of the things that yeah. I hope. This, yeah. Hang on. This is one of the things I hope that fans and media are becoming sensitive to as we have this running back discussion. You're not being selfish if you're trying to get paid fairly and completely for the skills you have, that you have a finite number of years to use. We're tuning in to watch the players. I said this yesterday. We tune in to watch the players, not the cutaway of Jerry Jones having his glasses cleaned in the in the luxury suite. So why why do you have this resistance? Why do you want to use the word selfish when we're talking about guys getting fair and full value for their skills? I don't get it. Well, because that's just not, that's what's going to be the perception there. I'm not necessarily saying we need to change I'm that the perceptions. Yeah. We need to use this platform to try to change the perceptions. Okay, I do all the time. I do, and I'm for it. But I'm just not saying it's just not that easy. And I've been a quarterback in the NFL, and it's not always easy to put yourself in that situation. And there is a point where you're seeing like we have this conversation with all these guys. They start to just finally go, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm worth $500 million, but $400 million is enough. And entertainers get screwed over in all types of the entertainment business. And that's just what happens. That's all they I'm do, trying to do say. Do they? Do they? Yeah. I mean, do they, they, though? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I see, you know, rock stars, rappers. Everybody always complaining about, damn, I made all these hits. I got to give it to some guy in the, who runs the studio or whatever. I'm not seeing anything, even though I did everything. You know, they finally get well, to a point well. in their career maybe where they have, you know, control of their masters, but that's like very few people. But still, that's, I'm just thro- posing the question. Yeah, Joe Burrow, like I said on Tuesday, I think the Justin Herbert contract probably puts more pressure on Joe Burrow to be more team friendly. That's all I'm doing. I'm pointing it out. I'm not saying I'm for that. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it's going to be hard, and I think that the way quarterbacks are wired, like you discussed yesterday, it, it's it's you know their love of the game, their love of wanting other guys on the team, their love of wanting to be great, especially this group, it gets used against them, and they become like we're saying, you know, they unselfish and they take a little less. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to say but we, I'm in favor of that or not, right? We, we've talked about in the past that Joe Burrow is one of the unique personalities who would have the ability to sit there at a press conference after he signs his contract and explain yeah. in a plausible way how a cap percentage is actually good for the team. It's good for everybody. Look, I have a set finite number, and I've committed for 10 years, and we're never going to have these conversations about – whether or not I need a new contract, should I get a new contract? Look at Patrick Mahomes. He's at $45 million, $7.5 million now per year behind Justin Herbert. And it's only going to get worse with Joe Burrow's deal. And then Trevor Lawrence's deal. And then Justin Fields' deal. And then 
on and on we easy? go into the future I until Mahomes gets his new contract. Well, let me pose you I this think, question. And, and I think Burrow can explain it. Look, it's just fine. For, you know, they're going to have 85 cents out of every dollar that they can use for all the other players. Whatever the cap is, they're going to have 85 cents on the dollar of every dollar for the rest of the positions on the field. And we've done the math. The average percentage for the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL is 15.213 cents, and that's what I'm taking. So, I mean, he's going to be in a position where he can explain it, and I think it'll be believable, and the fans of the Bengals will accept it, and hopefully the media will too, and we open a new door for properly and fairly paying quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I know. I just I don't know if it's going to get there, and I don't know if the teams will see it that way. You know, and no, they won't. They refuse to do it. Well, they no, refuse to do it because that, I that's why it hasn't happened. They refuse to do it. That's where I want to get into it a little bit. Like Burrow, first off, we know this is coming down the pipe. I mean, come on, he's the greatest thing to happen to the Cincinnati Bengals ever, ever. This is the great. This is the greatest thing ever. So, I mean, yeah, he could he could probably hold their feet over the fire, their butts over the fire, whatever else, and really get you know some of the things that you're talking about. But when you talk about percentage of the cap, too, you know, th- there is going to be major roadblocks for teams. There, the, the finagling of the contract and not you know to your point, having a few years where wait. He's actually not worth 15% of the salary cap. I mean, this year he's worth like 6%. They can finagle things and get other players and, and mix and match different contracts that way. You're going to lose that if it's always set 15%. And that's, that's where I think teams will continue to push back. And I think teams will continue to try to say that to the player and go, man, you know, we were going to finagle it to where this one year you were going to get 9% and Jamar Chase was going to make up that other 6%. And that's where they're going to use it against these players, I think, ultimately. I got, I got no sympathy for the people who are paid a crap load of money to figure out how to manage a salary cap. I think, plain and simple, the teams don't want to see the league, the structure, the apparatus, the management council doesn't want to see the players have more power and likes it when, you know, every year that a quarterback is underpaid is money that gets squirreled away into the super yacht maintenance fund. Oh, oh, oops, our quarterback was underpaid this year. Oops, well, maybe we should do something about it. Oh, he's really not making a big stink about it because he's afraid Chris Sims is going to call him selfish. Well, we benefit from it next year, too. Oh, our quarterback's underpaid. That's more money for me. That's more money for other positions. And we assume every team is spending up to the cap every year, and that's just not the case. There is money that gets sucked off the top by some of these owners is raw profit and it never gets spent so that's the thing and we don't have the time or the occasion or the access to all the information to figure out the full and complete cash expenditures each and every year but i think that it's about power it's about control and it's about accidentally stumbling into years where your quarterback is underpaid and they're in a damn thing he will or can do about it yeah so they don't want to give up that power darrell Rivas tried to get it more than 10 years ago with the Jets. Kirk Cousins has tried to get it. And I, I, I think that Joe Burrow has the best chance of getting it. Probably. Because I can see Mike Brown being the one guy to give the middle finger to the rest of the league and Probably. say, I'm not going to do this thing that you want me to do. I'm going to do it my way. I know. Well, you know, listen, you want to, I'm with you. And I'm never going to call anybody selfish for getting that money. I never have said that. You know that. I know you maybe you were just using an example. But, hey, the the root of this problem, and if you really want to get into it, the root of the problem is one guy. He used to wear number 12 up in New England. He's the problem. He's the reason all these quarterbacks feel this. Yeah, yeah, he didn't wear 12. He wore 14 14. and a a neck roll. All right? And a neck roll. And a neck roll. (laughs) So you you were like, they're not going to win. He's wearing a neck roll. It's it's not going to happen. But, but, yeah, that's, that's where this started. And that's where the great praise for Brady is that he took less and that allowed him to build. That's what all these guys grew up hearing on TV all the time. So that's what they're trying to do. And then they want their legacy to meet Tom Brady. So they think this is what I got to do to make it happen. And that's not necessarily true to your point, right? And, you know, Brady, I know early in his career, he wasn't as forgiving with his contract. I mean, he was hardliner, but he got softer with it. I guess as he accumulated money and got later on in his career. And he's the one that didn't push it to where it should be. And he's the one that is now the reason why these guys are taking team-friendly deals because that's everybody, anybody ever's talked about over the last 10 years with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and the greatest dynasty we've ever seen. And by the way, here's what this crossover grid game has done to my brain. <laughs> 
I hear Steve Grogan, and I immediately start thinking, <laughs> did he play for another team? Could he be a square one of these days? And so I look it up while you're speaking. He didn't play for any other team. Hey, Steve, why didn't you just have a cup of coffee with some other team so we could use you in this game? How selfish were you, Mr. Neck Roll well, number 14? Well, he might get in there. There'll be Patriots quarterback and then a neck roll column, and we'll have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Dickerson, Steve Grogan. Right. <laughs> Who else wore a neck roll? Oh, oh God. Yeah. That'd be great. I know, hey, right? hey, crossover grid guy, for next week, we need a neck roll. Matt category. Millen, right? Yeah. Matt Millen back in the day, yeah. I feel like, and the Raiders yeah. and all that, he had a huge neck roll. Brian Bosworth. Oh, did Brian yeah, the Bosworth boss. do that? He definitely did. He did, yeah. too. No doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll have a crossover grid later in the program because we're just hooked on it. And it's going to be one of those things that we're probably going to do it, and then one day we're going to say, ah, we've had our fill. But you know what? I love this thing. I don't think I'm ever going to get my fill. This is great. This is like discovering some some new meal you'd never – like some new restaurant with some cuisine, aliens eating humans. I don't know, but it's just like this is great, <laughs> and I could never get sick of this game. Okay. Uh, earlier this year, when you and I were – and we kind of tripped onto this one day, so we revisited it the next day. Quarterbacks who are proven and not proven. Younger quarterbacks, who's proven, who's not proven. And with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, I said he's not proven, and the ultimate evidence of it is he's in a draft class with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and everyone's saying, well, they need their second contracts, they need their second contracts. And for Tua, nobody's saying, well, he needs his second contract. Right. He's not proven. No one's saying he needs a second contract, including Tua. Here he is from yesterday. When he was asked whether he thinks it's good for him and the team to put aside the contract and just simply see how the 2023 season goes. I think regardless of what it is, if they wanted to do it now, if they wanted to wait, whatever, I think for myself, I'm always a person that wants to prove to myself that I deserve whatever I get. And so, um, you know, for for me, I feel like this is something that I need to work for. It's plain as simple as that. And look, he understands. We all understand. Yeah. He's yet to do enough to get that second contract. And he said recently to the Palm Beach Post, I have to prove that I can avoid injuries. He didn't say concussions. We all know concussions are the key. And all this jujitsu training so he can fall in a way that doesn't strike his helmet against the turf and give him another concussion, that's all going to be proven this year. This is it. This is the prove it year. They picked up the fifth year option and. You know, I, I nice gave you my there. theory earlier this yeah. year that they were they they just they they put so much crap on this kid with Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady, and they've been constantly looking for his replacement. And now he's gone through all the stuff he went through with the concussions. Let's just give him his graphic isn't nearly as as lengthy as Jimmy Garoppolo's, but it's close. Uh, let's just give him some peace of mind this year. Let's make the investment so we can get the best out of this kid in 2023. Let's give him the best chance to succeed. Let's bet on him winning, not bet on him losing. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think they said, hey, we got something going here. He's going in, you know, a positive upward trend. And, yeah, they didn't want to demoralize him, you know, put more pressure on him, have more people pile on and question him and and are they committed to him? So they limited a distraction and took a gamble on the fifth year option, a calculated gamble. That's what they did. But like, you know, I'm with you, Mike, in that like long term contract, I, I don't think we're there yet. Like we said even before the fifth year option, I know I was saying I'm not sure I'd give him that yet. I understand why they did. Certainly not ready for a Burrow Herbert type of contract. Yes, last year was good in a lot of ways. We saw some flaws. The injury thing's real. But other than last year, that that's all we have to stand on right now. And it was arguably the best roster, one of the best rosters in football. So you know that's where we got to see healthy. We got to see consistent play. You know we we can't forget. The start of last year, he, he was telling us he wasn't prepared the right way and didn't do things. And, I mean, we were splitting time with Ryan Fitzpatrick and doing all kinds of different things there early on in the career to where, yeah, he's got to do it one more year to solidify himself as the guy down there. He does what he did last year, stays healthy. He'll get a big payday when the season's over. And that's the key. If he stays healthy and plays like he did last year, he'll be in the MVP conversation. The Dolphins will be in the postseason conversation. They made it last year, and they gave 
the Bills oh. a little bit of a run for their money with I mean, Skylar Thompson playing exactly, quarterback. Exactly. Exactly right. You're right. I mean, it's one of those games where you go, man, if Tua was out there, that they, they were there to be had that day. The Dolphins were going to beat the Bills. They just couldn't you know, strap together enough offense to make anything happen that way. But yeah, I, I, we know this, this, they got better in the off season. Their own line should be better. Some of those young guys, we know the receivers are through off the charts, the running back, McDaniel, the offense, the defense, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland. I mean, a bunch of good guys up front. The Dolphins have one of the best rosters in all of football. There is no doubt about that. And I'm excited for their potential this year. And they still might end up with Dalvin Cook by the time it's all said and done. Now, one of the questions for the Dolphins moving forward is whether or not they have to be concerned about a potential suspension of Tyreek Hill now that he has resolved all legal issues arising from the June 18 Marina incident that that ended up in a settlement on Monday, but the NFL, which has been very tight-lipped about this, every email I've sent to the NFL about the Tyreek Hill June 18 incident has been no comment, no comment, no comment. Yesterday, Tyreek Hill met with reporters for the first time since it happened. Let's have a listen to what Hill had to say about that incident that resulted in him reaching some sort of a settlement with the person who was allegedly struck in the back of the head. You know, as far as the story, man, um, I'm not here to get into that. Like, I'm, I'm here to play ball. Like, I understand your, your question totally, but um, the issue has been resolved, and I'm currently, work, I'm currently cooperating with the NFL, giving them all the details on what happened on that day. God has blessed me to, to be able to, to perform and do what I do, and I'm blessed and grateful for that. And... Um, I just can't make bonehead mistakes like that. So, I have, like I said, I have no idea. I have no idea, man. So, um, like I said, it's been resolved, and you know, um, I hope everything gets situated. So, he said a couple of very important things there. First, he made it clear the NFL is investigating. Yeah, he's talking to the right. NFL about what happened, and second. He said he made a boneheaded mistake. That's so right. he did something. You don't just settle with somebody for nothing. There has to at least be some plausible argument that you did something you shouldn't have done or there would be no basis to have a settlement. And the video, which we knew was eventually going to emerge, it's public record. It was in the court file. I didn't see it yet, It Mike. was inevitable, just yeah. like the Ray Rice video, that it was going to ultimately become something that we could all see. And we're going to see it now. Okay. There's the video, 6-18-2023 at 6.45 p.m. Look at the man in the black, and Tyreek Hill goes by and kind of pops him from behind in the back of the head. Now, look, it, it was not a knockout blow by any stretch, but the way the law defines assault, any unwelcome contact counts as an assault. You can't just walk up to somebody and slap them in the face slightly, pop them in the back of the head and keep going. It's technically an assault, and you see that Hill does something to that guy, and it causes him to turn around. Again, it's nothing that caused any serious injury, and it's probably one of the reasons why this initially led to reports that nothing was going to happen, but the guy wanted to push it, and he pushed it, and he got a settlement, and now it comes down to whether or not the NFL looks at that video and thinks, after talking to Tyreek Hill, whether or not they should invoke the the rules and regulations under the personal conduct policy to take some sort of action against Tyreek Hill, Chris. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's, it's a tough one. Like he said, I, you know, I give him credit for saying, hey, I, I can't do stuff like that you know, and be a bonehead. I do give him credit for that. You know, I, I like you, just does the prior history affect him here? I mean, really, that act wow. right there, again, I'm not condoning that, but I mean, but I, I, don't, I don't look at that as a suspendable offense. I don't. You know, no. gosh, arguments happen like that all the time. I don't know. Who knows what he said to, right? And, and yes, I don't, I'm, again, I'm not condoning it, but we've certainly well, seen more agreed. Let me say this. Yeah, yeah. Let me say this. Let yeah. me say this. I think it's a good rule of thumb. For us to always keep our hands to ourselves yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No matter how forceful or lack of forceful that may be, there's there should be a bubble there that never gets violated. Adult male, adult female, child, dog, anyone. That should not be part of the of the the, the toolbox for Expressing your frustration with someone. Yeah. Punching, slapping, kicking, hitting, even if you don't intend it to 
to flatten the guy. You shouldn't do it. No, that force field should be right. around all of us when we're in an argument, a heated situation. You know, you can you can talk with your hands, but don't don't. I know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for football so, players that way. Now, but not, you're right, Chris. Yeah. Chris, if they find any reason to punish him, it's in the personal conduct policy. His history, pleading guilty in 2015 to choking and punching his then-pregnant girlfriend is relevant to setting the punishment. So you get in the front door through that not forceful but something he should have not done, boneheaded mistake, punch, slap, whatever, to the back of the head of that man at the marina. You get in the door that way, and then you get yourself into a big problem because now, after all these years, the NFL can finally punish him for something that if he had been in the NFL when he had done it, he would have been suspended for most of the year. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I know. I, I, I wonder, you know, how that will all play out. I, I, I do. And, of course, it's, it's a big deal. It's, it's the AFC East. It's the Miami Dolphins. They're Super Bowl primed, ready to go. And he is the most dangerous player on their football team. I mean, he is, and they're they're in a, even though we're saying they're the most talented team in football, they don't have Tyree Kill for two or three games, and they lose to you know the Bills and the Jets and somebody else, and all of a sudden you know you're going there in December, going, damn, they're they're in trouble, or they got to win these last three games to get in the playoffs. It's going to be a tight race. There ain't a lot of wiggle room in the AFC this year, so that's where this is big. But I think this is one ultimately that. I'm hoping the NFL doesn't suspend him over that, um, but that, that's that's a tough one, and I'm certainly not condoning what he did. I'm just saying I don't know. I'm hoping they don't. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Now, remember, they have a procedure now in place where the league proposes a punishment. Judge Sue L. Robinson has a hearing. She's independent. She reaches findings of fact as to what happened, imposes a punishment. The NFL then has jurisdiction over the appeal of the punishment, but the NFL can't change any of the findings of fact, but we, we, we've seen the video. We see what the facts are. And also, keep this in mind, because there has been a resolution of the legal claims that the individual might have had, any self-respecting lawyer would have included language in there saying that this person can't talk to anyone about what happened unless he's subpoenaed to do so. The NFL has no subpoena power, so this guy can't cooperate with the NFL. If they did this the right way, this guy can't cooperate with the NFL. And uh, I don't know what more he could add to what we see on the video, but keep that in mind as well. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Stefan Diggs met with reporters yesterday, and he shed some light on what happened during mandatory minicamp when he was there and then he wasn't. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Tamar Hamlin entering the field at training camp. Unbelievable sight. And, you know, Tim Graham in Athletic wrote a very interesting column 
yesterday about the possibility that DeMar Hamlin won't make the 53-man roster. He played last year because they had injuries at safety. Right. He was a sixth-round draft pick. He was a special teams guy. It creates a, a compelling weird. dynamic yeah. for the Buffalo Bills. You're going to have your best 53 guys, but, man, you have a guy who is now beloved throughout the league and beyond. You're going to cut him? You actually would cut him? But And, and the, the article from Tim Graham spends a lot of time talking to Devon Stills, the defensive lineman who became a very compassionate figure in the NFL, and he was at the ESPYs. His daughter went through cancer, and he got cut in the middle of all that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're going to keep the best 53 guys, period. It's a meritocracy, period. And it's just it's, – it's on the radar screen. Yeah. I don't know that it happens. Yeah. I don't know that it doesn't happen, but it's on the radar screen. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a brutal business, as we always talk about. It is. You know, it, it's – it's one of those where, yeah, it's not a guarantee he makes the roster, certainly. But I do think that, you know, the tie, you know how they always say in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. Like, the tie, if it's down to him and two or three guys and they all do special teams or whatever that, that's where I feel like the human heart, you know, as far as not – I didn't mean that exactly like that. The human heart of, like, Sean right. McDermott and Brandon Bean, they're going to have a sensitive side to them and because of the fan base and all that to where that that's where he'll have a little advantage or at least maybe get a little grace that way. And there's a lot of issues and a lot of factors that go into it, yeah. and they may be something that we delve into more carefully on another day because I want to think through my position on this, but you could make arguments for and against him winning – a close question with other players and, and losing you're right. a close question I hear you. with other players. You're right. Given everything right. that's gone on and everything that could still happen. Okay. Stefan Diggs, obviously not in jeopardy of failing to make the 53-man roster. He met with reporters yesterday. And remember, it was back during June, mandatory minicamp. It was our last week before hiatus. He was there. He was gone. Sean McDermott acted like it was a big deal, and then he acted and he completely didn't about face. It was a confusing couple of days. Here's Diggs talking for the first time at length about what happened during mandatory minicamp. As far as us not getting over the hump, I feel like uh, it's always asked for a cause for a conversation. You know what I'm saying? And I always wanted to have a conversation, and we have an open-door policy. Coach will tell you he has an open-door policy, and I've had those conversations. So I, tr- I try to keep a lot of things in-house. But, you know what I'm saying, it's regarding last year, obviously the way we lost was was just terrible in any regard. You know, in, you don't want to lose any game, but we've lost for a couple years at this point. And we've been trying to get over the hump, and obviously it caused for a lot of frustration. But uh, all in all, like, as far as with that, I was here. But we, he did have a conversation. Me and him did have a conversation. It's all water under the bridge now. As far as, like, me wanting to have say-so in the play call, like, that is insane to me. Just because, like, like, I couldn't call a play to save my life. Like, I couldn't call a game to save my life. Like, be for real. If you look at the numbers, I've been north of 100, I think, every year since I've got here. So it's not about targets. It wasn't a, when I say teamwork, I guess when he attributed it to teamwork, I guess it would be like, as we're out there trying to make things shake, uh, getting on the same pace consistently. Forcing my way out anywhere is not my goal. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't feel like I have to at this point. I feel like I'm in a great space. I'm in a great place. Um, I'm loved and I'm appreciated. But I feel like we're on the same page and moving forward. That's why I said, like, it's all water under the bridge. Like, you know, I know y'all haven't spent too much time with me this offseason, and I missed you guys too, but, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, all is well. All is well in the uh, Mafia household. All is well in the Mafia household because they're 0-0 zero and zero and they've cleared the air and they've tried to resolve their differences and they've tried to get on the same page. But there's nothing like a schedule chock full of difficult games Ooh. and inevitable adversity to potentially cause what happened last year to happen again. I mean, we saw what we saw. He did what he did. Something caused Sean McDermott to tell him to go and leave on the first day of the mandatory minicamp right. and then seem exasperated and say he was concerned that Diggs wasn't there that same day. So this isn't some trivial little bump. It's in everyone's interest for, and it's the old nothing to see here. That, that's the unofficial yeah, model sure. of the NFL. Sure. Nothing to see here. We don't want this attention. We don't want this pressure. Let us work this out. We will be fine until we aren't fine. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. He's going to do and say the right things right now. And, we'll, you know, the real test will be when, oh, okay, wait, they lost two weeks in a row or he didn't get the ball as much as he should and they've lost a few games. You know, is it all going to be still held together at that point? I think that's the going to be the ultimate test, right? But 
seems like all's good for them right now. There's one thing he said I thought that was interesting to me, talking about getting on the same page consistently. And, you know, I had heard this a little bit where I think he gets frustrated a little at times and going back into that divisional playoff game of the Bengals. I think he wants more of a, a say or conversation about, hey, they're playing this way right now. We need to get to some of these plays. I, I think that's what he's talking about. And then that was what I took from one of the comments there when he just said we need to get on the same page consistently. I think that, that's where he got frustrated a little time. Like there wasn't an adjustment like, hey, let's go to the next group of plays because they're playing us this way and this can get us the ball and get us going that way. I think he has felt like he's been shut out in those conversations or there's no talk amongst all of them on the sidelines, in the box, whatever, during games. And this is one of the toughest players for us to talk about because we love Stefan Diggs. And we're not trying to create issues or problems. We're not trying to call him out. We're, not, we're just trying to do our jobs here. And the guy that spoke yesterday is very different from the guy who will fire off cryptic tweets. <laughs> and there are too many cryptic tweets for it to be accidental. And yeah. he tweeted his way out of Minnesota. So... That may be how he manages his frustration. He has different thoughts late at night, and he just feels better if he does that, and it just allows him to process it. But we can't just act like that doesn't happen. And we can't act like what happened during mandatory minicamp didn't happen. These are unusual circumstances that hover over the team, but for the Bills to get the most out of what they're going to do this year, they need to clear that out. That's why Josh Allen tried to say a few weeks ago, the media made too big of a deal out of it. The media needs to quit talking about it. The media should quit talking about it. He wants us to quit talking about it because the more we talk about it, the more present it is in the minds of the people involved and the more can potentially weigh down the Buffalo Bills in 2023. So I fully understand why they're doing what they're doing, but it's our responsibility to say, folks, there's another side to this coin and it's called reality. And we know what happened. And we know that Stephon Diggs has a habit of sending off cryptic tweets. And we know, we're smart enough to know, that something went haywire last year and they're working very hard to get it back on the right track and keep it on the right track in 2020. Yeah, they got it. You know, just like we were talking about with Miami and the Tyreek Hill situation, same thing here for the Bills. The wiggle room, the room for error is zero, you know. You, you've been putting McDermott and Brandon Bean's butts on the hot seat the whole offseason if they don't get somewhere this year. And I don't know if I agree with that, but I agree with you that there is pressure on that group up there. So, yeah, they're feeling that. They're feeling that. Um, but but that, that's – and they're coming off a year two, you know, where distraction and emotional – issues and things like that just wore them out at the end of the last year with all they had to do, whether it was snowstorms, DeMar Hammond, or whatever. So I'm sure they're trying not to replicate that and have a little bit more of a season that's on par with with normalness. And we'll see. But like you said, look at this schedule. You know, you look at it. Hey, that those first four weeks, I'm, I'm confident in saying they're better than the Raider, Raiders and Commanders. I know that, but that doesn't translate into wins. Uh, but that's second half of the schedule. That's where you know, it's going to get really tough, and they need to set themselves up and be hitting on all cylinders early in the year to put some wins in the bank. Every team in the AFC East plays every team from the AFC West and every team from the NFC East, in addition to playing each other twice. Tough schedule for all four teams in the division. Now, it's already going a little haywire for the Bills because one of their most potent weapons mm. in special teams, guy who had two kickoff returns for a touchdown in Week 18, that rollicking win over the Patriots, and they had planned to use him more on offense this year. I don't know why they didn't use him more on offense last year. Frankly, Naheem Hines out for the year with a knee injury that he suffered on a jet ski. Sitting stationary, I'm told. Somebody else ran into him. There's an issue about what the Bills are going to do when it comes to his money. Now, they don't have to pay him a dime. Non-football injury list, you don't owe him a penny. Sometimes we've seen players get paid out of the goodness of the hearts of ownership. Remember when Teddy Bruschi had a stroke, he was on the non-football illness list, the Patriots paid him. The question is, how much money are the Bills going to try to claw back from Naheem Hines because of this incident that happened on a jet ski? They would argue it's inherently unsafe. He shouldn't have been doing it. And any injuries that happen violate his contract and he has to pay back bonus money. There's 
there's a potential fight there, and they're trying to work out a resolution. And I think some of what the Bills are doing is just kind of alluding to what they could do. And I'm told that they mentioned they could even try to get $1.5 million in signing bonus money to receive from the Colts under his deal that was ripped up and replaced with a new contract this year if push came to shove on this. And I think they're just trying to work it all out. And from Hines' perspective, his agents are trying to get him properly taken care of. It's a tough position, but here's the bottom line. The guy is presumably going to be healthy next year, and he's under contract for next year. You want him to feel good about what they're doing this year, so he feels good about being on the team next year. Uh, yeah, exactly right. I mean, that. I mean, here's the, the, the little comment from his agent, right, where... You know, obviously there was something there, conversation he had with the Bills and company that he did not like, and he felt like they were going to maybe screw over his client, and that's why he tweeted that little statement out. I mean, come on, we we don't have to, you know, read between the tea leaves in that one, right? So we know that there. But th- th- here's my thing, Mike. Like, like, it, first off, this is where we got to find something here that can help. Like, players have to live life, like. Half the people in that Bills locker room rode a jet ski this offseason at some point, right? Now, an accident happened. Like, if, if they found out that he was doing jumps and 360s and doing flips with the, like, then okay, fine. That's beyond stupid. And yeah, maybe you need to take some pay away. But by all due accounts, what we're hearing right now is somebody else was the idiot and he was just sitting there and they drove in, they didn't know how to control the jet ski and they drove into the side of his leg, right? And stuff like that, that's where I wish the teams, yeah, did have a soft spot in their heart there. To me, like, you know, hey, if you're out skiing and you're going down a huge mountain and do that and tear your ACL, well, that's stupid. And then then that, that you, yes, you should be held accountable there. You're playing basketball, you know, pick up basketball four days a week and you tear an ACL or an Achilles. Okay. Yeah, that, that to me too. But when it's like normal life stuff, that you know you're not you don't see people tear ACLs on the jet ski ever it's a rare thing that's where i wish you know the human aspect would come in a little bit and i just don't know if that'll happen here it'd be interesting to see the signing bonus language that teams use is unnecessarily duplicative it will list all of the various things that are inherently dangerous activities that you can engage in lest you risk losing your signing bonus money but if you just get yourself injured and you can't practice and play anyway you're still in breach of your contract and have to pay back the signing bonus money. Now, my understanding is jet skiing is not specifically listed on the things you can't do. And jet skiing itself isn't inherently dangerous. In New York, you only have to be 14 years old to get a license to use a jet ski. Yeah. And my understanding is he was stationary and got rammed into. He was at the dock stationary and he got rammed into. So, but but again, but again, and and this this is the tension. These guys have to live their lives, but any injury you suffer while living your life that keeps you from playing and practicing football puts your money at risk. So there's a balance that you need to strike, and you just need to hope you get lucky. Remember when we saw the video of Lamar Jackson with – with a bunch of kids on, on a basketball court oh, and he yeah. was defending. No, he's on, he was on asphalt and he's like running routes and defending guys and cutting and all. It, I mean, it, it just, it, it makes your heart stop because you think, holy crap, any injury there is going to screw up his opportunity to get the money that he is due at this point in his life to be paid, but guys still have to live their lives. Exactly. That's the balance. It's, it's hard. Bills it's hard. and Naeem Hines have to work yeah. that through. Yeah. The and key I- is this. Yeah. If they want him on the team next year and they want him to be happy, they need to find a way that he feels good about how they deal with this situation in 2020. Yeah, that's the the truth right there. And and, and I think the thing that bothers me sometimes is I feel like star players get away with these. Like Terrell Suggs plays basketball, Ravens do nothing. You know, Juwan James, remember him, not a star. You know, I think some disgruntled people in Denver about how much money he was paid. He got hurt doing what? It was I. I want to maybe say playing basketball too. Oh. Well, no, 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 just no, working no, out. no. He was working out on his own, right? And his argument was that the trainers told us here is what you should do, and it got into a big fight between the Broncos and James over whether or not they were going to pay his salary yeah. because he got injured That's away from work doing the workouts that the Broncos gave him to do. Right. That that should never be. I mean, guys doing workouts, getting better at their craft, working what the coaches and the organization are always preaching 
and then it'd be held against you. That should never happen. But, yeah, hopefully they come to a, an agreement here for Naheem Hines. So unfortunate. Feel bad for the guy. You know, he's been uh, screwed over a little bit, but lack of playing time in the Colts and all that. And we thought this was the year that he'd get used properly, and it's just unfortunate it all happened. All right, we need to keep this thing moving because we have another grid to do still in the remaining time that we have today. When we return, Calais Campbell injured Mac Jones with a questionable hit last season. Something Campbell said yesterday makes it even a little more questionable. More PFT Live right after this. Mahomes had a theory that if he was nice to defensive linemen, they would yeah. they would pull up, you know, 5% at the end of there. Yeah, Is there any truth to that? It's very true. You know, and, uh, okay. he let the count the bag now, though. It's like, oh, you don't want to be nice because you don't want to get hit. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, there is definitely truth to that. So, you know, I think uh, Phil Rivers used to be a good uh, trash talker and stuff, but he was never, like, disrespectful. You know, uh, Mac, Mac Jones, actually, uh, he, he was kind of disrespectful. I'm like, hold on, man. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, Does he get an extra 5% then? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm trying to take, you know, I'm trying to hit him with them reason all the time. So, you know, the maximum is always there. What did Mac do to cross the line? What did you feel like? I, I don't remember. I was just, uh, he's just trash talking to the, you know, the, you know, the highest level. But, you know, it's just like, you know, you don't trash talk me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of playfulness, a lot of laughter there from Calais Campbell. It all started because Patrick Mahomes says in the quarterback series that he's always sucking up to the defensive linemen in the hopes that they will pull up a little bit, that they will like him. And right. there, there's this montage of him saying, hey, good rush, dog, good right. rush, dog, good like rush, Andrew dog. Luck. Always, Remember, always, always, Andrew always. Luck, people used to knock his head off. Like, oh. Good hit, good hit, oh, good hit, oh, yeah. good one. But he does get into it with Max Crosby a couple of times, which is just awesome. For, to see Patrick I'm Mahomes kind of wake up the I'm way that here. he does. <laughs> yeah. oh, more than that, yeah. you, woke up, you woke up the wrong... Mother mofo. effort today. That's right. is one that, of you don't want to wake so, up that um, mofo. <laughs> so, so let's uh, and here and Pete's Pete's all fired up during the break about Calais Campbell because Calais Campbell put that hit on Mac Jones last year, and now we're piecing it back together. Well, Mac Jones was pissed because, or excuse me, Calais Campbell was pissed because Mac Jones was trash talking. I, I don't know that we're even close to being in a spot where we can say Calais Campbell specifically tried to injure Mac no, Jones yeah. with this hit because he was upset with trash talking. I think that is a bridge way too far for us to go. But but there is at least a dot you can We're allowed can to connect Yeah, right, right. We're allowed to make Campbell right. specifically saying yeah. Jones was being disrespectful with his trash talk and then look at what Campbell did to Jones last year. Yeah, right. I think we're fair to at least like maybe, you know, draw a dotted line there and go, is there something to that? Now, when you read the quote, you go, Hmm, that seems messed up. When you see him talk it, you're right. It was more laughable and he was explaining I would like to think that Calais Campbell didn't do it on purpose. I mean, Calais Campbell is, I mean, he's really been one of my favorite players. I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, there's everything about him. I was actually shocked to read that right there yesterday and see that. And I got angry reading it too. I was like, what a bunch of BS, right? You know, I got dragged through the mud a little bit during the season because I said I didn't like that hit. I thought it was dirty. I still do to a degree, you know, but um, I, I do think after seeing the video, uh, I'm with you and going to, hey, he didn't like the trash talk, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think he didn't do that deliberately. But like, play the video of that again, guys, if we can, the hit on Mac Jones. Because I, I would bet you, though, there's very few or rare quarterback hits that he did this before. And the second angle shows it even better. Leave your feet, hang on the shoulder, dead weight. Right. That's to me where, look, I mean, he jumped on his feet and then went dead weight on him and like cow tied him, bringing him down. He knows better than that. That's not the right way to do it. And I do wonder, and I'm going to at least say, yeah, maybe he was frustrated with what Max said. I think it's fair to at least, you know, ask that question after what we heard yesterday in that hit. And Calais Campbell is a very large human oh, being, he will as kick Peter the King pointed shit out, out when of Bryce us in Young four seconds. <laughs> was drafted. Well, thank you. Was drafted by the Panthers, who will face the Falcons twice per year, and Campbell plays for the Falcons. Campbell is a foot taller and a hundred pounds heavier yeah. than Bryce Young. Two people in my life. I walked out on the football field 
my junior year at Texas, we were playing North Carolina, and I ran out there and got to the midfield, and Julius Peppers was out there in North Carolina, and I literally went, holy shit, you're Julius, no wonder <laughs> you're the man. Oh, you're whole- I didn't realize you were this effing big, and he was laughing, oh, you're, you're crazy, dog, whatever, right? So he was one. The next one was the Tennessee Titans. I'm there. We're scrimmaging against the Arizona Cardinals. I hadn't seen Calais Campbell in person ever. We ran out in the practice field and I said something similar the same thing he was right there and I was like holy shit you're gigantic I didn't realize you were this so I just wanted to give everybody the real football experience there (laughs) that that hit on Mac Jones opened the door for Bailey Zappi and it exacerbated this back and forth who should be the quarterback was Mac Jones upset the Frankenstein monster on offense with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge it was creating a big mess Bill Belichick Mac Jones not getting along Here's Mac Jones from yesterday when asked how he would characterize his current relationship with Bill Belichick. I think we're good. I think the biggest thing that we, we've all talked about is just having a fresh start. Um, I think there's a lot of learning experiences uh, from last year that we've talked about. And uh, this year it's all about just working together, right? you got to come up with a plan and then obviously talk about it and then execute it. So I'm excited for that part of it. Uh, really just tr- for me, just trying to be really consistent uh, try not to, you know, ride the wave and just stay my course. Uh, and hopefully, everybody on our offense feels that too. I think Coach O'Brien does a great job laying out what we do well so far, and we're going to learn every day what we do well. And then from there, you just keep moving forward and execute the plan. So, uh, definitely excited for that. That is Stepford Patriot Mac Jones, not to be confused <laughs> with sideline tantrum Mac Jones, which we may or may not see this year, but. Jones and Belichick were at odds last year. He said it's a fresh start. They there he is. That's not. That's not the Mac Jones we saw yesterday. I can translate. No, no, no. They need a fresh start. And the the key is Matt Patricia is no longer the offensive coordinator, and Joe Judge is back to coaching special teams, and Bill O'Brien's in charge of the offense. And I think that's what that's what will placate Mac Jones and assist his development. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't. I, I can't imagine that you know it'll be anything like last year. That was such an unpatriot-like year. Billy O'Brien's going to be more of what Mac Jones is accustomed to. You got to remember here. Not only did he come from Nick Saban and that group and those coaches there, right? He was with Josh McDaniels in year one, who you could say is maybe the best offensive mind or in that conversation over the last twenty years in football. And he saw a guy be so detailed and perfect, and then he gets to year two and is like, "Wait, what? Did we go back to kindergarten here?" So that was a rough year, let alone dealing with the injury. And I think that at times, yeah, he tried to do too much early in the year, and that led to some bad decisions. interceptions Patriots are going to bounce back I don't know if that necessarily means AFC playoffs but I I think the Patriots can be one of those sneaky you know we're not talking about them under the radar pain in the butt football teams for a lot of teams in the AFC this year that D is still good the offense will be better gonna be tough gonna be tough to pull it off uh because uh you know bottom line is that uh they are on paper I would say the worst team in the division Right now, and it's so not even that bad. That I mean, but like, yeah, it's it's. You're right. They are. There's no denying it. All right, let's take a break. It's grid time. Our new obsession. Go to crossovergrid.com/pft for today's game. We'll do it next. We'll do it live on PFT Live. Did you watch the quarterback thing? Did not. You um, maybe one day, probably not though. Would you watch a documentary about Hobson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's great. That's, that's amazing. Great. Yeah, but, he doesn't want to watch the documentary but, of his arch rival. <laughs> but maybe he but does. But you could pick some things up. Yeah. No, I mean, you yeah. can learn more about him. You're trying to beat this guy. You're trying to understand everything about who he is and what he is and what he does. Kirk Cousins, for example, was blown away by the extent to which Patrick Mahomes works on his body. And I think Bobby Stroop, the body coach for Patrick Mahomes, going to get some more clients, going to get some more opportunities. 
because these quarterbacks are recognizing this is a way to really get the most out of your overall God-given natural abilities. So I'm surprised. Bur- now, you know what? He could be lying. I mean, you're right. He's having he fun. He's just saying it's not on the top of he his wish list right now to watch the guy that he's going to deal he with. Made- and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to submit to you as a top five cons- conspiracy theorist. He's already watched all of it, but he doesn't want to admit that he has. <laughs> Maybe. Why wouldn't? Maybe. Why yeah. wouldn't you yeah. want to know exactly what makes your arch rival and your nemesis tick? But you've got plenty of guys now. For as great as the series was, Peyton Manning, the executive producer of the quarterback series on Netflix, along with NFL Films, but it's NFL Films and Omaha Productions working together. He's got to be dismayed. That so many guys are coming out and saying, no, you're yeah. not interested. Jalen Hurts, not interested. Tua, not interested. Sam Howell, not that he would be on my short list, not interested. Burrow, apparently not interested. He's got to understand. Yeah, they got to find three guys. Yeah. We're eventually going to know who the three are yeah. because they're going to be the only three who didn't say no. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. But, yeah, it, it's a tough one. Hey, listen, I was ma- amazed when I heard that Patrick Mahomes did that and then still played the way he did. Like, I, you know, I, where I want to say is, yeah, Peyton Manning's probably a little disappointed, but at the same time, I'd probably go, Peyton Manning wouldn't have done that, I don't think, during his career at any point. He would have been like, get the hell out of here. I got to study. Get the hell out. Get the hell out. Get the hell out. So that's where it is tough. I know me. I'm certainly not of that caliber of these guys as far as a player, but when I was playing, I would not have wanted a camera around me all the time filming, filming oh. my daily activities. That would have been annoying. Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish. <laughs> oh, I wish we would have had cameras and microphones around around you all the time. We got enough with you trying to call a play as a rookie. Right. God, that would have been worth <laughs> the price you. of admission to see Chris Sims on quarterback. Okay, crossover grid time. Go to crossovergrid.com slash PFT. Third straight day. Our good friend running that operation has given us our own grid, a bonus grid, because his usual grid comes out around 1 o'clock Eastern time. Across the top, the three vertical columns, Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, and, oh, God, two-time or more AP NFL All-Pro. Along the horizontal lines of the grid today, the 49ers, the Lions, and 13 or more Quarterback rushing touchdowns. I assume that's career, not season. All right, now, now, I got some. I want to start here. Yeah, go ahead. I got one. I got one. And as I've become more obsessed with this game, I find myself spending time doing research in the event that some of these become handy, and sometimes they do. And it's kickers, and it's journeyman quarterback who can be the most valuable here. So. Upper left, 49ers, Chiefs, the obvious choice. It's the high percentage choice yeah, Joe is Joe Montana. No, no, no. Yeah, don't day Don't no. Another quarterback played for the Vikings, the Steelers, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Packers, the Rams, and the Panthers. Is it Steve and Bono? his name is Steve Bono. Yeah. Put yeah. Steve Bono in there and let's take our point like 025% for Steve Bono. 2%. Ah, they can kiss 2% of my ass. All right, you're up. Pick one. I like that. I was thinking D Ford there, uh, but I like that one. Steve Bono, good call by you. All right, I'm going to go with And one. he has a picture. I'm, he has a picture. I'm a little nervous. He's hacked my computer. About some of these. I really am. I'm nervous about the Ravens column with the 49ers or the Lions. So right now I'm going to go with the- Oh, I got I got him. I got those are ones right away. I'll take those. Go ahead. All right, well, yeah, Chiefs, I, got, Lions, I got both of those covered. Chiefs, Lions, here's one that I think is a good one. Mike Hughes, the corner, right? Uh, he, I believe Ooh. now is the Atlanta, but Mike Hughes. First round pick of the Vikings. Exactly right. He did play for Kansas City and Detroit. Go, are you okay with that? Go ahead. I, All right. 9.9. 9. 9. All right. I thought it might be lower All than right. that. All right. Do you want to take another one? Because I'll take care of those two that you're concerned about. Well, let about. me hear them. Let what me about, hear them. Yeah. Well, okay. The, the the 49ers and the Ravens, I knew this one right away because I, I, I remember interviewing Eric DaCosta at a time when Anquan Bolton's contract was not resolved oh, with that's the right. Ravens. And, yeah. and it, was, it was a nice little conversation that he still gives me grief about from time to time. Anquan Bolton played for both the 49ers, the Ravens, the Cardinals, and it's a high percentage, but... I couldn't think of anybody. Uh, well, yeah, let's just make sure that was the first guy. It. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah. I'm surprised it's that high. Well, the, the, um, now here, and, and, what do you uh, think of the Lions and Ravens here? What are you thinking here? Oh, that's another one that I know. I, I know right away. It's Haloti Nada. Haloti Nada. I wait. mean, is there anybody? Wait, wait, don't do it yet. That's all right. See, I, I said don't do it yet, Pete. I was gonna. We were going to try to come up with somebody with a lower percentage, but. Uh, <laughs> 
It's ho- ho- no, don't redo it. Oh, don't redo gosh. it. Haloti Nod is fun. Oh, yeah, now he's got to redo the whole damn thing. <laughs> Can you think <laughs> of anybody other than Haloti no, Nod? Let's was just a go great with Haloti Nod. By you, I think that's that's the way to go there. I'm, I'm okay with that. All I, right. I think you're on. Sometimes good we one. just want to be safe. Yeah, we just want to keep it going. All right, now it's going to get more interesting. Um, the, these these columns with two or more AP All Pro and thirteen or more. Let's try the AP, Let's try the the All Pro. Okay. Um. And and you know what? I think with the Lions, the Lions, the obvious choices are going to be Barry Sanders and or Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Don't do it, Pete. Okay. How about Indomitian Sue? How Ooh. about Indomitian Sue? You th- yeah, I, I, I think N-D-A-M-U-O you're right. N d a m u o k o n g Indomitian Sue. I like that. There I'll is. take what, it. What do we get? What do we get? What do we get? Wow, good call, Mike. Yeah, Not a good that's, one. All right, okay. that's pretty damn good. You got any of the others? No. What I'm, about 49ers? Well, the 49ers, too. We, I mean, we can definitely figure out with the 49ers. I mean, do we, I know we don't want to go Joe Montana or Jerry Rice. You could go Patrick How about Trent Willis, Williams. Ronnie, is Trent Williams, a two-time All-Pro. What do you think, Ronnie Lott? Is you Trent think he'd Williams? be way up there? You know, that, that's where I'm trying to go back Let's, to the '80s and some of those guys too. To go, you know, uh, do you want to throw uh, anybody else in there? But but to AP All Pro, it's only one guy. That's the thing. It's one guy. I think Trent Williams has been the like consensus best left tackle in football, which gets you the AP All Pro. I think he's been that multiple times. I, I mean, yeah. I, I would go Trent Williams. Okay, sure. Let's do it then. I'm, I, and I think it'll be low. All or, right. Okay. Well, I we wonder what like Ronnie okay. Lott would have been. Uh, yeah, I knew Ronnie Lott. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie Lott, I mean, geez, uh, yeah, there, there's probably a few other yeah. guys we could have thought. Right. Now it gets exciting here. Okay. I, I have ideas for each of them. Well, and, and the Ravens I'll let you, is I'll Lamar. Let you, right. You right? want to do that one and just knock it off? I think so. I mean, I can't I mean, imagine there's anybody else. Unless Jim Harbaugh had 13. Oh, Joe Flacco Wow, also Joe did. Flacco did have uh, 13. Now. Um, the, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs, I know who I'm going to go with. At, at, uh, at, uh, at quarterback, I would assume Alex Smith. Man, I would, I would say I would Patrick Mahomes. Touchdowns. I would think too has it. I mean, are we sure Alex Smith had thirteen plus QB rushing. Wait, don't TDs? do it yet. Don't do it yet. I don't know. Do you? Do we want to just do his? Uh, yeah, then yes. Let's go Alex Entire Smith. Career. I think you're Entire right. Entire career. Yeah, so okay. Alex Smith. All right. Oh. I was nervous about that one. Man, good thing Mahomes has twelve. Two time so All wrong. Pro. Two-time All-Pro quarterback with 13 or more rushing TDs. I know who this is. When, I mean, this one's easy. Yours. It's easy. All those all those one-yard plunges into the end zone. It's over Brady. The career, I was going to say Steve Young might be way up there, too. Do you think Steve Young got two-time? Was he a two-time All-Pro? I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know he's a one-time All-Pro for sure. He might be a two-time. He was Let's the MVP Brady. twice, right? Uh, Let's see. go Brady. All right, go Brady. Let's, Let's just, just be Brady. safe. Let's do Brady. Watch. It's not on. Watch. He didn't do it. He did it. What's his percentage? All right. Yeah, all right. Well, we got him today, but I, I wish we had lower percentages. But this was a difficult – that 13-plus rushing quarterback touchdown thing is a, is a difficult. And two-time All-Pro, you never know. Pro Bowl – I'm amazed that Steve Young was a three-time All-Pro. Yeah. You never know. With Pro Bowls, it's easier because everybody makes the team. All-Pro's <laughs> tougher because there's – I mean, there's just one yeah. every year. No, it's and way more some prestigious. guys that you would think had been All-Pro have never been. All right, right, let's go ahead and take a break. More PFT Live. Right after this. Sometimes the best way to deal with a situation that has created some consternation among your workforce is to keep your head low and your mouth shut. Jim Irsay opting for the exact opposite, chiming in on the running back controversy. Says Ursay via Twitter, we have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. Jim, Jim, good Lord. Talk about pouring jet fuel on the fire. I mean, there isn't an easy solution anyway. But you're only going to piss these guys off more by sticking a finger in their eye. And there could be... Plenty of spirited debates about how much good faith the NFL showed in the 2011 CBA discussion. Right. How much they showed in the 2020 CBA discussions. And remember this. After they did the deal in 2020, the yeah, pandemic happened. They wanted to change and it. And the league wanted to rip it well, up and do it again. Exactly and they did. What I, that's where I wanted to go. That's exactly what I thought of when I read the statement. I said, huh, it's funny. You guys did the same thing and changed the rules. You know, why you're, again, your organization appreciated by hundreds of millions, but you lowered the salary cap to screw over the player where everybody's, they're watching him. 
and they were saving the pandemic in America through the pandemic. Thank God we had to watch them. But no, screw them over. And now, oh, how dare you want something again? I'm so sick of their crap, I can't even tell you. Jim Ursay uh, drew a reaction from Malki Kawa, who happens to be the agent for Jonathan Taylor. Bad faith, Jim, is not paying your top offensive player. And look, I wish Jonathan Taylor would have held out. And I wonder if Jim Ursay had done this before it was time to report if Jonathan Taylor would have reacted by holding out. I think the only reason he isn't holding out is because he had injuries last year. He did not have a great third season. Right. You need to take advantage of your leverage when you have it. And as a running back, it's parlaying a great third season into that contract. If you get injured in your third season, it's harder to do it. I still think he should have held out. And I wonder, I wonder if he will be asked and if he will admit that if I had known... What Ursay was going to tweet, I wouldn't have shown up. Because once you're there, this gets technical under the CBA. Once you're there, it's so much harder to leave. It's easier to never show up at all. And I just wonder how close he came to holding out. And if Ursay's tweet would have pushed him towards saying, sorry, Jim, I'm not coming. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where it gets back into that conversation again with running backs where it's like, I wish after one year they could become free agents and then the team have a chance to match it. Because like you said, year two, he had the chance to capitalize. Year three, he's dealing with injuries. Their O-line wasn't good. There was no holes to run. Now it's not as good for him. And that's not necessarily fair there either way. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, this this subject's not going away. It's not The running backs aren't going to no, let it go away. It, it, it's, yeah. And this is just going to piss them off. Yes. That's the point. Exactly right. You want owners to chime in and they chime in this way, not conciliatory, but but in an aggressive, hostile way, it's going to piss them off. And when he says some agents are selling bad faith, yeah, I, yeah. agents aren't involved in this. Right. This is an organic movement among the players. They froze the agents out of the Zoom call. Well, what, they what deliberately I was, kept them out. This is them coming together. I was wondering what Ursay meant by that, too. I was going to ask you that. You know, I, you know, Maybe it's that. Uh, I, I was going to say to you, Mike, too, do you, do you think maybe he just feels like running back agents in general are – Telling their players they're going to be able to get more money than they are and they're not dealing with the reality of the market? Most of the time, I don't know what Jim Irsay is referring to. And Upper uh, quartile of the upper quartile, Of the Mike. upper quartile. Right. But, but you know what? If they manage to not change the CBA, maybe they can hang a banner at Lucas Oil Stadium <laughs> to commemorate that fact. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. JK question is a, it's a, I wish it was a simple answer. You know, there's always a lot of things that go into the football, um, but there's some complexity to it, and we're working through all that. JK's working through it, and I'm looking forward to when he's out there. Strange subtext going on between JK uh, Dobbins and the Baltimore Ravens. He had the knee injury. He was playing last year, was gone for a while. When he came back, he was great toward the end of the season. He's very conscious of his contract situation. He's frustrated he doesn't have a deal yet. I I don't know what's going on, but it feels like there's some lingering dysfunction between Dobbins and the Ravens. Definitely, definitely. No doubt about it. I mean, I think that's the reason they probably signed Melvin Gordon. They got a lot of backs. I'm a little concerned with that, you know, altogether. You know, one, hey, J.K. Dobbins hasn't played that much football. You know, half a year last year, missed all of 2021. I don't know how much ground he has to stand on for a bigger contract. Meanwhile, Dalvin Cook visiting the Jets. Uh-oh. Some of that money that Aaron Rodgers left goes. in Woody Johnson's pocket can he go saved into that Dalvin money, Cook. Mike. Stay tuned. See you tomorrow. See ya. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.